Well, let's look tonight here in Isaiah 53. And uh, I know these are familiar verses that I've preached from several times here in the last six years. But um, this is where the Lord led us. And, and the Bible's full of timeless truth and, and fresh truth. And I hope tonight the Lord can bring it alive to us again and show us some things maybe we've not seen or studied in days gone by. But Isaiah chapter 53 tonight. Actually, I want to start reading in chapter 52 and verse number 13. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse number 13. The Bible says this, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many, as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness, and we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Father, Lord, I pray you'd help me tonight. Lord, the subject matter at hand is the holiest of all subjects for us to preach about. The lovely cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you tonight for calling me to preach. And I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be a preacher of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I pray tonight that, Lord, you would hide me behind that cross. And I pray tonight that by faith that we'd look back 2,000 years ago and we'd see our Lord and Savior dying for our sins. And I pray our hearts would burn fervently tonight for you and I pray you'd stir the love, Lord, that we have and I pray, Lord, that we'd leave here, Lord, rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, again, we ask you to use the message tonight. We know, Lord, that it's by and through the preaching of the cross that men, women, boys, and girls are saved. And tonight we long with all our heart that if there's one here or there's one watching that they've not been born again, I pray tonight that the cross would prick their heart. And Lord, they get saved tonight before it's too late. And I love you, Lord. Help me now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. I want to preach. I, 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 again, I don't try to spend too much time on titles and and I do I try to spend most of my time studying actually the text and what it says but I want to title this the way of the cross the way of the cross I'm glad tonight to know that I'm going to heaven by the way of the cross Amen. the Bible says if a man goes by any other way that he's a thief and a robber you know tonight that there's many people in fact the sad the sad truth is tonight that there's more people trying to get in by another way than they are by the way of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say tonight, the only thing that really matters is are you going by the way of the cross? 
when you meet the Lord one day, when you, when you take your last breath, and, and by the way, it's going to come to all of us unless Jesus comes. Death is a, is a, is a surety for all of us tonight. And, 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 and I want to say we don't have to fear death. The child of God does not have to be afraid of dying. We can have hope in our heart and we know that if we are going by the way of the cross this way, it leads home. There's no greater message can be preached than that of the cross. It's sad tonight that in, in, in the average Christian circle tonight, if you want to call, I, I, I'm getting real careful how I use the word church because what's being called church is not really churches anymore. But in the Christian circle or Christian social club, people had rather hear preaching about life and about, and listen, I understand you need some of that, but they'd rather hear uh, how to make more money or how to get a better job. Or, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I said this to Brother Cravens the other night when I preached that uh, it's sad that uh, even in, in what people call themselves Bible believing churches, you go to revivals or camp meetings and the songs they sing and the sermons they preach, it's all about what I'm going through and how bad it's been and how hard it is. And very rarely do you hear anybody just step up and brag about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to say tonight that at the cross two worlds met. A, a world of darkness and a world of light. At the cross, evil meant good. Uh, unholiness meant holiness. And at the cross, Jesus done something for you and I that we should rejoice in and we should be thankful for tonight. Amen. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 1, 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Amen. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross should be made of none effect, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Galatians 6.14 says, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things, unto himself you know the cross though we need to hear it not just for people that need to be saved but people who are saved and here's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 21 that we're going to follow in his steps if we're living for the Lord we got to follow in his steps and, and brother David there's no way to follow Jesus without having to go to the cross yourself and Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. You see tonight, there is a cross. And so I, I want to try to make application that way and, and say this, not only as we look at this in the, in the weeks to come, I, I, not only do I want us to think about and, and, and ponder on how God saved us through the mercy of Jesus Christ and how He died for our sin, but I want us to look at it also with this in mind, that you and I, if we're going to follow Christ, uh, we're going to have to have a Calvary, a cross experience in our lives. Just like Abraham had to take Isaac up there on Mount Moriah, that was his Calvary experience, if you would. I hope you understand what I'm saying. 
There has to come a point in all of our lives where we die to ourselves, where we die to our own desires, and where we lay our life down for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we see Isaiah. Now, if I were to ask you tonight to paint a picture of what love is, I thought about this today. I think about, I think about a, a mama and a newborn baby. That's just, I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I can remember when Ginger was born and, and they handed her to Kim and she wasn't dolled up, prettied up. I mean, listen, she was, I mean, just arrived. I mean, she just got off the plane. She was here. And, and I can remember that it was like my wife's countenance changed. When she looked at that little child, you could just see there was a love there. There was, and, and, and you know, so I, I think about that, you know, a picture of a mother and a little child. I think about a dad and his son maybe out by a lake with a fishing rod or, or, or you know, or, 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 or maybe they're out working under a car or doing something like that. Or, or you think about, I mean, the other day they put a, on my mama's uh, hospital, they put up a picture uh, from one of their nursing homes and it was Brother Amos Stover and his wife. I hadn't seen him in years. And, and they're in the nursing home now, and they've been married 78 years, and, and they were sitting at the table holding hands, eating supper. I, I think that's love. I think about that. I think about uh, pictures of love. I think about those men over there on D-Day, those men that stormed the show. I think that's love when somebody would be willing to die for their nation, for their freedom, for, for their family. Uh, but did you know that when God wanted to give us a picture of love, he drew us here in Isaiah 53, a picture of a bloody cross. Yeah. Yeah. And tonight, I'm going to say that's the greatest portrait of love there's ever been. And you know, I think that every person that's ever born has within them a desire to be loved. I believe that. I believe that's why children, when they go, a lot of times they go astray, they go looking for love. They go looking for somebody to appreciate them, somebody to acknowledge them. Somebody, and, and by the way, that is a lot of why they do what they do to, for attention and for, 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 they just want somebody who cares about them. And if, listen tonight, I'm glad that if you, if you want to know what love is, go to the cross and, and see what Jesus did for you and for me. Tonight, I want us to look here at the man on the cross. The man on the cross. You see, I, I, I was reading today and there were thousands of people that had died on this hill called Calvary. Thousands of them. In fact, four years before Jesus was born, they crucified 2,000 Jews in one day. This was something that happened. That's hard for us to understand in the society we live in. But in that day and time, it was absolutely just a nor another day. It was just, it was nothing big. It was nothing. I mean, this was something that went on all the time. We understand. I'm not going to get into a lot right now about the cross and how it came about. But we understand that, that there had been thousands and thousands of men that had died on a cross, but there never had been a man like Jesus down on a cross. I can imagine those soldiers as they watched him and and I, I, no, I, ain't a man. I know because one of them, when it was all said and done, he bowed his knee and says, truly this was the Son of God. Because that man on the cross was different than any other man that ever died on that cross. I want you to look in verse 2. 
The Bible says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I, I want to say just a word. And by the way, this man on the cross, he's my Savior. This man on the cross, listen, the Bible says here that there was no beauty that we should desire him. In verse number 2 it says, He hath no form nor comeliness. What that means to say is that on the outside, looking in, from the outside, uh, looking at him that day, uh, there wasn't nothing stoic about him. There was nothing uh, uh, elaborate or, 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 or majestic about him. In fact, we read it in verse number, in chapter 52, it said his visage was marred above that of any man. If you went by the cross, you wouldn't even know it was a man hanging on that cross. I want to say tonight, he was a humble, humble man. The Bible says he was like a tender plant as a root out of dry ground. He had humble beginnings. When he was born, there weren't parades waiting on him in the streets. When he, was, when he appeared in this world, there wasn't a large band waiting to celebrate. There was no dancing. There was no, there was no holiday. It was a, just a normal night when he was born. And he was born in a barn manger, in a barn stable outside of Bethlehem. They, they, he couldn't even, uh, they couldn't even find a room for him to be born in. Uh, he had humble beginnings, but uh, throughout his life, he lived a life of humility. Right. A humble man. You know, we talk about meekness, and, and, and a lot of people want to equate a meekness with softness, or but that's not what it is. Meekness is strength under control. And listen to me, Jesus was a meek man, and he was a he, and the Bible says that he had come riding uh, meek and lowly, riding upon an ass, and from the beginning to the day he rode into Jerusalem for his crucifixion, he was a humble, humble man. Luke 9, 58, it says this, And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He did not live an elaborate life. He did not live a life of luxury and ease. And, and by the way, if he had chosen to, he could have had it all. But instead he chose to be numbered with transgressors and walk and live among common men and live a humble life. Tonight I wonder how many, if you had the opportunity... And I were to say, all right, you can live a life where no bills, amen. No, no, I mean, no problems, brand new house, brand new car, everything paid for, no debt, and you can have it or you can live like a, 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 a pauper. I don't know, and listen, I'm not, don't try to explain, no, you wouldn't. Your nose will start growing if you don't watch out. But to think that Jesus, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, Amen. that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Right. 
Listen to me. I said that illustration, but can you imagine someone who had everything? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I mean, listen, he owned it all and he left it all. He laid it all down. Philippians chapter 2 and at verse 8 it says, Being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was a humble man. Let me say this. There's no greater paradox than calling someone a proud Christian. You cannot be like Jesus and be full of pride. He was a humble man. And by the way, he had reason to boast. He had reason to, I mean, can you imagine in school, is there, and one of them said, one of them little boys uh, makes him a paper football and, and watches how, he says, look, look how far, I, you know, and he's bragging. And Jesus could have said, oh, that's nothing. You see them stars in the heaven? I put them in their place. You see the sun that's coming up? I bid it to come up this morning before I come to school and I'll tell it to go down. But no, every day throughout his life, he was a humble man. And listen tonight, you and I have nothing to be proud of in and of and by ourselves the only thing we can brag about is the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us tonight because he was rich and we were poor he became poor and now we've been made rich amen you say brother Martin I'm not I'm not rich oh if you're saved you're so rich you make Bill Gates look like a bum if you're saved by the grace of God I mean listen your your citizenship's in heaven tonight you're seated together in heavenly places with Christ you're a joint heir of Jesus Christ everything that's his is ours by the grace of God. And who are we to act like we've done anything to, to obtain it? We've not. He was a humble man. He was a humble man. And I could go on. I have about 25 under that. But anyway, it'll be next Easter before we get done. But Mark, he was humble in his walk. Look where he went when he was on earth. Look where he went. He went to places like Samaria. I mean, that's like East St. Louis. You know, I mean, the other night we was up there, Drew was playing ball up there in St. Louis, and they give me the directions. And thankfully, I have my gun. Don't tell state to Illinois State Police, but I had my gun when I went through there. And and I honestly, I mean, I didn't know, I don't know what, how far below sea level we were, but it felt like that road just kept going down and down. And I thought, oh my goodness, we're about to be at the bottom of the earth. I was looking for the gates of hell somewhere around there. But yeah, we kept going and kept going. And, and there's this little cracker box, uh, cracker box gym. And, and I mean, I'm talking about it was rough. And I said, I don't know if they got metal detectors here. They probably do, but I'm going to find a way. I'm packing. I'm telling you, I'm not going. It was rough. That's the type of places he chose to go to. He went there to the pool of Bethesda. What, who hung, the pool of Bethesda was not a swimming pool. You understand? There was not high dives and low dives and kiddie pools and, and, and crazy rivers and wave pools. You know who was at the pool of Bethesda? The sick and the halt and the maimed and the blind. He was humble in his walk. He said, I'll go where other people don't want to go. I'll walk where other men won't walk. And tonight, that's why we should be our wall. 
He was a humble man. But verse 3, it says he is despised and rejected of men. He was a hated man. That man on the cross, he's hated. He was hated, brother Chad, and he is hated tonight. They hated him. The Jews chose Barabbas over Jesus. I mean, listen, Barabbas was a wicked man. I mean, he was a guilty man, a man that had been tried and convicted. He had, he had taken people's lives. He had caused murder and sedition, and yet they hated him so bad. They said, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Why? In their heart was a demonic hatred for the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil has hated Jesus for a long, long time. I think, this is Jamesology, I believe what one of the seeds of that pride that got Satan thrown out of, out of heaven, brother, da, brother, brother David, you and brother Chad, got, we got two gossips, so I got to be, I believe he was jealous of Jesus. He was the choir leader of heaven, but he wanted more. He, he wanted more. He was jealous of those angels saying, holy, holy, holy. He was jealous of him seated at the right hand of the Father. He was jealous of him. He wanted that throne. And did you know he hated him then? And when he was when, when, uh, when God made Adam and Eve and God told the old devil, he said, you're going to be, he's going to crush your head. He is going to crush your head from that day till this day. The devil has been an arch enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he hates him. And anybody that hates Jesus, he's, they're on his side. Jesus told the Pharisees, you're of your father, the devil. And the works you do. Listen, what he was telling them is, you're doing the work of Satan. This is satanic what you're doing. And that man, the Bible says, he was despised. That means, uh, despised, it means to, take, to have contempt towards. He was rejected. The word rejected means to treat as insignificant or unimportant. Notice this though. I'll show you this. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected men. Then look in the last part of the verse. He was despised. He's still despised tonight. Make no mistake about it. This, this movement in our nation is anti Christ. There are many, the Bible says, antichrist. The same spirit, listen now, I'm trying, I'm gonna try to hurry, but y'all pray for me. The same spirit that's going to inhabit the antichrist is in the world today. And listen, how do we know? The Bible tells us in 1 John that they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They deny his lordship. They deny, they deny the fact that he was God in the flesh. And listen, that's where we are. He was a hated man, hated by all those around him. John 7, 7, Jesus said, The world cannot hate you, but it, me it hateth. Because I testify it, and the works thereof are evil. So why does the world hate Christians? Because they can't get to Jesus now, but they can get to us. Have you ever wondered why lost people seem to just have? It just seems like everything just works out for them. I used to work with a guy, 
and I ain't going to say his name, but, but I'll, I'll be honest, one of the laziest people I ever worked with in my life, he wouldn't hit a lick at a snake. I mean, he wouldn't. He would if they if they was hiring at the little Debbie factory paying twenty five dollars an hour to test uh, them zingers and 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 them blueberry glazed donuts, and uh, he wouldn't take the job. He was so sorry, but he was always the one that got got the raises. He all, and listen, every Friday, every Friday they go buy scratch offs, and he'd hit it. I mean, he'd hit it for eight hundred, eighteen hundred, fourteen hundred, and he didn't need the money. His daddy was rich. His the father in law was rich, and I thought, man, this guy. This guy, I mean, I can't even win playing Uno. My chest. I'm telling you, he would, he would, he'd go to Baluk, he'd go down there to Tunica, and he'd clean their clock. He got banned from a casino in Tunica. He won. I'm serious. He won so much playing playing uh, 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 the the 21 game. I don't know what it's called. Somebody, anyway, I knew some of y'all would know, but where <laughs> y'all been going the weekend? <laughs> Metropolis. I've been seeing cars going that way. <laughs> but Brother Justin, that's the way it is. Listen, they don't know the hate and the pain because they, they, they don't, we're on the wrong side of the prince of the power of the air. Thank God, Brother David, we've got an example. Amen. Listen, Jesus would not allow their hate to stop him, and we can't allow their hate to stop us. He was a hated man. John 15, 8, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You know, it ought to, I'm not saying we all go around wanting people to hate us or trying to, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not. But when people do hate us, not for being, what's the proper word for it? Hateful and being mean and being ugly and being, being having no, that's not what I'm talking about. But when the world just hates you because you're going to church, because you're trying to raise your family right, and they, and they talk about you and they criticize you and they don't understand, then it ought to give us a little bit of comfort because we know they hated him. And if they hate us, that tells us we're on the right side. We're on the right side. Amen. He was a hated man. You know, they didn't hate Jesus for his miracles. They didn't hate him for the miracles that he did. They hated him for the message that he declared. You read John 6, he was a celebrity in the first part of that chapter. I mean, who, I mean, and they thought this man is like having a long John Silvers. All the time, no. I mean, he multiplied them fish and bread, and they were they were they eat till they couldn't eat no more. Twelve baskets. They thought we're never gonna have to buy the three piece again. We're never gonna have to get. I mean, it, he, this is wonderful. And they followed him over on the and they 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 was why they was coming for the fish and fries. I promise you, the hush puppies. But Ginger, when they got to the other side, Jesus started preaching to them, and he said this, I. And the bread that's come down from heaven. And John 6, 66, that's no coincidence, 666, John 666, it says, and from that time, many turned back from following him. And Jesus looked around and said to the other disciples, will ye also go away? And Peter, I mean, sometimes he strikes out, but here's one of his home runs. He says, to whom shall we go? He said, Lord, where am I going to go? I've done left it all behind, and why would I go? He used to be a fisherman. He said, why would I want to go try to catch my own fish when you can take just a handful and feed 5,000? I'm saying they hate him for what? 
what he said, not for what he did. Right. Right. I'll say the world doesn't mind what the church does for it. Feeding and clothing and the good works that we do, and we should do good works. And But they do hate us for the message we preach. This may seem elementary, but I'm going to say this. There is only one way to heaven. That's Jesus Christ. If you're trusting a priest, if you're trusting being sprinkled, if you're trusting a cross around your neck, if you're trusting the Roman Catholic Church, if you're trusting the Presbyterian Church, if you're trusting the Baptist Church, if you're trusting the Pentecostal Church, if you're trusting trusting Buddha, Allah, Muhammad, Gandhi, anybody else, any of those people, you're going to go to hell when you die. And you say that, they hate it. It's not what we do, it's what we say. He was a hated man. He was a hurt man, though. In verse 3, it says, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He was a hurt man. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That word acquainted means familiar with grief. A man of sorrows. Many sorrows. You know, the sufferings of Christ did not commence at the cross. They concluded at the cross. You want to know when the suffering started? From the moment he was born. You ever just get overrun and over, over just, and you just think, I just need a timeout. I just need to go and breathe a little bit. You know, I mean, maybe whatever it is, you know, different people have different things they do. Some people like getting out in the garden and just, and and, you know, there's other things. And and, and you get away for just a minute. You you just just calm down, cool down, cool off, and you feel a little bit better. You get some relief from it. Or, 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 you know, there's different, you understand people have got different ways that they deal with that. But I want you to know this, every moment on earth was a moment of sorrow and grief for the Lord Jesus Christ. He was an alien. You understand? Here, I'm not saying, oh no, he wasn't like E.T. phone home. But I'm talking about he was he was from another world. He didn't belong here. He wasn't of this world. He wasn't by this world. And here he was for 33 and a half years every time. Can you imagine as he walked up and down the streets and heard people say blasphemous words? How it grieved his heart. And he saw sin everywhere. You know, when Lazarus died, he, the Bible says Jesus wept. He wept. Three times he wept. You can find in the Bible, one, he, left, he wept for an individual with Lazarus. He wept for the city of Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he wept for a nation. In Luke 17, when he, when he, when he talked about, he says, that if thou had known in the day of thy visitation, he wept. From the beginning to the end, and I'm not trying to be, you know, discouraging or depressing, all I'm saying is, is when tears wet your eyes and, and grief pierces your heart and when the burdens get heavy and, and the way gets hard, you can be of good cheer because every burden you bear, he bore it too. He was a hurt man. He hurt. He hurt from the day he was born till the day he died. Verse 7, I'm skipping out a little bit. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. 
is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was a holy man. You know, when you hurt, and when you're suffering, and you're, you know, when, when you're just burnt, overwhelmed, it's really difficult not to say something you shouldn't say. But the reason he didn't is because he was a holy man. You see, listen, those soldiers at the cross, they, they had heard all types of terrible things come from off that hill. There, there was men that were that were hanging there. They would curse and, and scream and wail. And, 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 uh, and I mean, they'd say some awful things, don't you know? They'd look down at, at those soldiers and, and, uh, and, and curse them and, 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 and yell at them and, and, and hate them and talk to them. But on this day, they looked up and there silently on the cross as blood ran down his hands and his head and his back. He opened not his mouth. The only thing he had to say was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The only thing he had to say was, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The only thing he had to say was, I first. And the only reason he said that was to fulfill the prophecy. He was a holy man. Hebrews 7, 26, For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. First, 20, first Peter 2, 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. John 19, 4, Paul therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I, he said, I, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. The devils testified to who he was. The Roman soldiers, even though the law, the, the, they had to admit never a man spake like this man. God the Father looked down from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. If you look on the cross, I want you to know that some of the worst men and women that ever lived had shed their blood on that hill. But that day, it was somebody who had never sinned, who had never done one wrong thing or thought one wrong thing or said one wrong thing. A holy man. A holy man. And here, here's, here I thought about this, how I can apply it to us. If we're going to fall in his steps, we can't let the pain that we're feeling and the burden that we're carrying, we can't let that allow that to make us say and do things we shouldn't say or do. If he could hold his tongue, you say, but I'm just a sinner. You're a sinner saved by grace. That's part people always forget that. And you're indwelt by the by the, what is it called? Somebody help me. Dylan, do you know what we're indwelt by? It's called the Holy Spirit. What's the first word in that sentence? Holy. Holy. So by the Holy Spirit, I believe God can give us the power. And, and listen, this, I, I know this is kind of different way of looking at it, but I've been thinking about if we're going to follow in his steps, like 1 Peter 2, 21 says, then, then the Bible says, be ye holy, for I'm holy. And listen, when is it the hardest for us to, to do right? Is when things are going against us. That man on the cross was a holy man. There was nothing wrong in him. There was never anything wrong done by him. 
Every charge they tried to bring against him was false and baseless. And this morning, this evening, I just want to say that I thank God for the man on the cross. You see, if it wasn't for that man on the cross, I'd have no way to go to heaven when I die. You see what he was doing on that cross? He was doing the work of God. He was doing what he was, he was born to die. That's why they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Uh, that's why they anointed him with that, with them fragrances. That was for death. He was born to die. And listen, while on earth, that he, he, he set his face like a flint to the cross and he went there and he died there on the appointed day at the appointed time and for an appointed reason. For our sins. For our shame. You see, we all deserve to be that one on the cross. Everybody wants to say, well, the Jews killed him. Well, the Gentiles killed him. Well, they killed him. They killed him. You want to? You want me to, you want me, you want me to say who was guilty? We're all guilty. We're all guilty. I know I've said this before, but I heard this story before, but I, I can't remember who it was. It was one of those famous painters. They wanted him to paint a picture of the cross. And he did. And they, 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 they had their whatever, you know, the, the opening when they, they revealed it. And, and, and there was another artist, you know, one of these good painter, whatever, that was there. And they was kind of, he was in Everybody else was just standing back looking at it. But this man got up close and was looking at it and admiring it. And, and he stopped and he looked. He looked at that, 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 that man that painted that portrait and he said, who is that? And on that paint portrait, there was a face. There was a person without a face. It's just an empty face. He said, that's me. He said, that's me. And listen to me tonight. If we all would be honest... Uh, we have just as much to do. It was our sin. It was our shame. It was our transgression. It was our iniquity. You say, well, I inherited from, oh, yes, your nature you did. But what about them sins of choice? That you, what about all that? It was that's why he was there. And oh, we should all be glad and be thankful for a man named Jesus who was willing to go to a rugged cross and die for our sins. I love that man on that cross. Amen. He died for me. How can you not love him? How can this world still despise him? And how can this world still reject him? How can this world still esteem him? Not after all he's done for them. That's right. 